Welcome to today's edition of Gibson's Caring Corner. And today we're going to talk about you know, where we want to be in the future. And a lot of people, you know, they have to think hard about where they want to live their senior years. And so those conversations are so important, not only for you to have with your spouse or your family, um, your children and even your grandchildren, they need to know that. They need to know your wishes. And whenever you can make that um, decision early on, um, it's so important. Um, you know, recently I was watching a video of a lady that um, her mother made her sign a contract at the age of 14 saying that she never wanted to live with her that she only wanted to be in a facility and that she was a very active, very outgoing person. And she thought that would be fun. And that's what she wanted to do. So I thought that was interesting um, that at that young age, her daughter had that contract signed. Um, I guess she wanted to make sure things in life wouldn't get too busy that, that they knew it for sure at that age. So yeah. that, that was very interesting to me. So, Creighton, what do you think? Where where do we want to be in our senior years? Where do we want to grow up? What are your thoughts about all that? Well, gosh, we still working pretty hard every day. But, um, you know, I'd, we do have the RV. I'd love to see us travel some. I'd love to um, – and, and I love our house. I love where we are, what we're doing, and who we're around. Um, pretty content other than wanting to do some traveling. And in making some of our most recent moves um, was that, you know, there'll be a time in your life where you may not be excited about mowing 10, 10 acres, that you can't manage 40 acres, that, um, you know, you need to, the word is downsize. But yeah. for us, we didn't really downsize our house, but we did move closer into town, which made it more convenient and easy for uh, Stephen get to work, get to doctor's offices, um, grocery stores. So it made it very convenient for and us. And manageable. And manageable. So, um, and you don't have to worry about mowing 10 acres anymore. No, not anymore. <laughs> so so, so that thing. is more manageable. So if you are thinking about um, your future, you may think, well, maybe I want to have a mother-in-law or father-in-law quarters. Some people just build on a small, like mini apartment to their current house so that mom and dad can retire there. And if that works, then think about that for the future. So you know, have start thinking about the savings of how help how you can help your son or daughter add on um, so that you can retire there. Um, if that if that is works for everybody. Other people may say, I only want to live in a downtown high rise. Yeah, there are senior apartments all over and that only seniors can live there. And then they have different amenities that you could consider. And where do you find out about all those places? Um, Creighton, any ideas? Well, we give, we give advice all the time of, you know, do you want to age in place in your home? Is, has the spouse passed away and you just, you want to downsize and be in something smaller? Do you want to be around people? Um, each one's different. I have some that want to stay at home. I have some that want to go to an assisted living and and have their 50 different friends daily. So 
it's just unique for each one. And with so many people with smartphones now, you listening to this right now, I'm sure you have a smartphone. Yeah, you Google it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Google the town, Google the city, find out about senior living apartments, if that's something you're considering. Right. I always consider talking with the Council on Aging. Mm-hmm. They are a federal, state, and locally funded organization mm-hmm. that um, is required to have a lot of resources. You can go there to get training on how to prepare your taxes or which is the best insurance based on your medications. That's another topic, but SHIP is what that's called. Mm-hmm. And um, they do an excellent resource for crafts and activities. I know they have a men's, let's go play pool day. Um, and there's lots of choices and they have some trips that they do together. But that needless to say, it might be nice to be close to the senior center. Uh, might, might be a consideration whenever you're looking for a place um, that you want to retire into. Some other questions that you may want to ask um, with your children are, what things would you never want to give up in your forever home. Is that a pet? Do you have that favorite pet or if something happened to your pet, would you want another pet? So what would you not want to give up? What are some other things you may not want to give up? Gosh, well, a lot don't want to give up their driving, their license, their keys. Mm, that's hard. Um, but you deal with that as needed. Um, we have your mother live with us, and, and she wouldn't give up her keys for anything, but um, <laughs> she she enjoys the dogs. She she has a lot of companionship when we're not there and interacts with them, and it makes her day a lot less lonely. Yes, and my daughter's talking about you know, building herself a house and having a fence, and one of those dogs does belong to my, our daughter. And grandmas are already becoming sad. Well, I wonder when Brittany's going to get that fence and put and take JoJo. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so I doubt we're going to have we're going to be able to let JoJo go. But some days would be a little bit simpler if we have one less dog <laughs> in the house. But she does have a lot of fun. <laughs> well, we could make it a package deal. We could always send her with the dog. <laughs> Yes, we could do that. We could help Brittany with a mother-in-law. Yeah, we could do that. All right, (laughs) moving right along. Next, if you were diagnosed with dementia, dementia is the early stages of Alzheimer's. So I want to be really clear about that. Where would you want to live? Dementia affects people slowly, but it does make people over time totally forget who their loved ones are, who they are. What they can remember is their very early stages of life. And when whenever you're in your final stage, you do need help because you do your body even forgets how to eat, how to swallow. You become bedridden. It is a scary disease, um, but it is very slow. So if that were to happen to you, then where would you want to live? And again, people will just say dementia, and it's not dementia. Just not remembering where you placed your keys is not dementia. And if you can remember your conversations you had last week, you do not have dementia. So um, 
it is seriously misdiagnosed um, in the state of North Carolina. I'm an advocate for the Alzheimer's Association. And unless you have a neurologist that has given you a test, do not you do not know for certain that you have dementia or Alzheimer's. So just know that. It's very important. Yeah, though you, you everybody gets forgetful after about seventy five, but there's a difference between just being forgetful and dementia and Alzheimer's. But And there's other conditions that have the same symptoms. So common and so frequent is a UTI. And if you get a, you know, an infection that's a UTI, you will get to where you can't remember what you, you had or saw last week. You can't remember anything. So um, you have to know for certain um, what the true test results are. So anyway, next question. If you need a care at home, would you rather it be from a family member or a care professional? Yeah. Creighton and I serve a lot of people in our communities, and I'm going to say, you know, the family member is so important, and whenever we can come in as a care professional, we get to do the tough stuff, and then the family member gets to be the family member. They get to sit they get down. to be the, the son or daughter. Or spouse. and Or spouse, mm-hmm. and spend some quality time one-on-one rather than just doing the task, the ADL every day? These questions are hard. And Creighton and I have helped uh, many people over the years go through them. But it's important to do up front. And with that, cost matters. So whenever you're thinking about the cost of care, long-term care insurance is extremely important if you would ever need it. We purchased insurance to take care of risk. Creighton and I both, whenever we were in the first years of the business, we both purchased insurance because we were like, well, if we ever needed the care, we couldn't afford the care because it does cost a lot. Think of your average great wage, multiply that times 24 hours. That's what you're going to get billed for that care. And you have to, to pay the wage, the taxes, the nurses oversight, doctors. Anyway, it's a lot. So... Think about that cost. So it is important to consider insurance if that's where you want. But other other things that pay some, I'm, I'm not going to say a little, I'm not going to say a lot, but some, uh, VA benefits, yeah, if you get to where you need that, they will pay some. Most of our veterans that need care, truly need care, get about 12 hours a week. Yeah, average. Uh, yeah. Average. No overnights. has to be during the day. Um, and some respite um, for their spouses if their if their spouses needed to, you know, go visit a grandchild or go to a funeral or you know do some things like that. Some respite can be prescribed through the VA, but um, there there's special circumstances there. And besides that, private pay is about the only other choice. A little Medicaid, um, no Medicare at this time. No. But um, that's that's where we're at with this type of care. If you have Alzheimer's, you do have the ability um, to look out for um, HFC, Hilarity for Charity. And they do accept grants to, to pay for care for people with Alzheimer's disease where the family have had to quit work to provide that care. Right. So that is something that is also considered. So are there resources to help me or my loved one choose where to live. Resources that you want to look at. I'm going to say are the Chamber of Commerce, um, the Council on Aging, 
um, ask for reputable um, people that um, would have that information. I would say serving our communities for 20 years, we we would have a lot of that information. So reach out reach out to your local home and step home and step provider, and they may can provide that list for you. I believe we could with no yeah, problem. I have a tremendous mm -hmm. referral library that I can. Mm -hmm. Um, but besides them. that, I always ask your doctors. Usually anyone providing service like this, um, they would know because of um, telling you. The doc your doctors are going to be a, a go-to for information like that. And I would think any pharmacy that delivers medicine because guess what? They're going to deliver prescriptions yeah. to wherever people live. So that would be my best choices of looking for um, good resources if I were going to look for a senior place to live if it wasn't with my own family. Yep. Mm -hmm. Very good. All right. Thank you very much for tuning in today, and we hope you have an awesome rest of your day. Hi. Welcome back to Health Tips with Kale, your exercise science health and fitness enthusiast. Today we'll be picking up with Carbohydrates Part 6, and this will be our last part of the series that we've been doing on carbohydrates. So what else do I want to talk about with carbohydrates? Well, something that a lot of people might not have thought about is, is there a time frame or is there a better time throughout the day in which we should be eating carbohydrates compared to not? And so today, the last part of the series is, when is the best time to eat carbs? So for some considerations, we'll be going over things like sleep, your blood glucose levels, and then exercise. Because each one of these can be affected by glucose or your carbohydrate intake, and sometimes they affect your glucose intake. So when should we not eat carbs? Well, we shouldn't be eating carbs like refined sugars and starchy foods right before bed. It's not good to have a gallon of ice cream two minutes before we jump into bed or as we're sitting in bed. Um, that is not the best time. And even eating refined sugars and starchy foods right after we wake up for breakfast, um, that can lead to spikes in our blood glucose levels, which then leads later on to a crash, a sugar crash, a lot of us know as. And that can leave us feeling exhausted. Um, it can feel us, it can feel, leave a lot of people uh, feeling very groggy and lethargic and not being able to focus and get work done later on in the day. So a systematic review and meta-analysis study on the effects of carbohydrates on sleep, and a long name for a title, but in this research study, they actually looked at a bunch of other research articles out there. And so what they found was carbohydrate intake within four hours of bed could significantly affect your sleep in all levels. They also went on to say that a lower carbohydrate intake before bed showed lengthened levels of your deep sleep. And deep sleep is where you get most of your uh, restoration from. And then from there, they also went on to say higher amounts of carbs prolong the REM or your REM stage sleep. So your REM stage sleep is, I, to be honest with you, I don't know too much and I don't want to speak about too much on the REM cycle. But normally that is where you tend to have most of your dreams. And from what I know, that's when a lot of your mental restoration also happens is during your REM cycle. But I do know that your REM cycle is incredibly important. 
And if we're missing out on any part of our REM cycle throughout the night, um, a lot of times I know for myself, if I don't get a good night's sleep and I'm not hitting that REM cycle like I should, I don't wake up feeling fully rested. So the study also goes on to show that the quality of carbs did not show any significant effect on sleep stages. So whether it was fiber-based um, foods or your starchy foods or your processed sugar foods, none of that really played a difference on the effect of sleep. But they did say that your sleep onset latency or otherwise known as insomnia um, was affected both by quality and quantity of sleep. So eating a bunch of refined sugars is probably going to keep you up, keep you up and awake um, a lot longer than maybe eating a meal based with vegetables that has a lot of fiber in it. All right. So when should we eat carbs? Well, consuming carbs earlier in the day may be better for you if you want to lose weight, improve your blood sugar levels. Um, this is according to the Cleveland Clinic, as most Americans are active early in the day and sedentary at night. Cleveland Clinic also goes to say that the biggest portion of carbs in the evening can cause blood glucose spikes or blood sugar spikes. Um, and when this extra glucose isn't used or utilized and absorbed into the body, it's then stored as fat, which obviously makes us fat. Um, <laughs> and that's what we're trying to avoid is this excess buildup of fat around our body. So that way we can remain healthy and that way we can also look good and feel good with ourselves. So Precision Nutrition, which is a leading research and nutrition certification organization, they go on to say that dense carb foods are best consumed during and after exercise for up to three hours. So they recommend eating foods such as fiber-rich foods throughout the whole day. Um, and if you're eating breakfast, then having some fruits or even some vegetables would be a good way to have carbs in the morning. Unfortunately, the pancake syrup rich foods, probably not the best idea for breakfast. They go on to say that starchy foods such as breads, corn, grains, and potatoes are best consumed during that three hour period uh, during and after exercise. They also go on to say that refined sugars should be rarely eaten, rarely eaten if any. And if you do eat any processed or refined sugars, to try and consume them also within that three hour time frame of during exercise and after exercise. So those would be things like your sports drinks, your sodas, uh, juices, and any processed foods like cakes, um, your ice cream, anything like that, candies. So as a brief overview, when should we and when should we not be eating carbs? Because this is a lot of information and sometimes you just need to kind of compact it really quickly. Well, if you're going to eat carbs, try to limit your dense carb meals four hours before bedtime. Um, a lot of nutritionists and dietitians even recommend eating lunch as your biggest carb dense meal. Uh, so if you're going to eat that pizza or the lasagna, try having that for lunch as it gives your body time to really process the carbs 
and the food before you go to bed and then that way you can actually utilize it before you go to bed and that way you're not storing up this excess um, <clears throat> caloric intake based off of glucose which then makes which then stores as fat so really just trying to eat earlier in the day especially if you have these bigger carb dense meals and more importantly trying to eat those carb dense meals around the time that you work out if you if you do work out in the morning before you go to work then great then go for it um, but a lot of us well some of us might actually work out during that time and if you don't then maybe working out working out around lunchtime and then if you work out in the afternoon evening after work and before bed then maybe trying to reduce the types of carbs that you eat in that three-hour period maybe just sticking with your starchy foods and not so much as your refined foods but those are some good options as far as that let's go back in time is it's time to talk about the stories of elizabeth ann reinhardt gibson in mooresville north carolina continuing on today killing hogs was a a lot of hard work. Sometimes it would just last one day, but other times many days. Dad would shoot the hog, stick him with a sharp butcher knife to bleed the hog. Then it was placed in a 55-gallon barrel to heat the pig skin so they could scrape their hair from the hog. Then they cut him open to gut it and wash it again before cutting it up and taking it to the house for preparing it for this year's usage. The hams were sugar cured and put into tow sacks to hang in the cold spot to cure out. The side meat was treated the same way. The head, liver, and odd parts were used to cook huge pots of liver mush made with cornmeal and spices. How good it was while still hot, eaten with one of Mother's big, fluffy, homemade biscuits. The pork loin was sliced, and we sometimes would slap it on top of the cook stove to cook quickly. Mother would have a fit for our, for our not using a frying pan. It always smoked up her kitchen. She used much of the pork loin and good cuts for sausage, which she seasoned with red pepper and many spices and canned it by turning the jar upside down when sealed. So it sealed better. Now comes that good treat of pork brains. Mother would scramble the pig brains with eggs and we really thought it to be delicious for we only got one biscuit full. Dad occasionally cooked such things as oyster stew. Alice, Jack, Coit, Thelma, Bub, Marie, Ruth, Virgil, Sarah, and Bud would buy up oysters for, by the gallon. Soda crackers were packed loosely in a large box along with bottles of ketchup and, some, and come home occasionally to cook big dish pans filled with soup. We always looked forward to such gatherings. Dad would cook fish and fritters or pancakes, as we called them. Now, I never knew you ate fritters when hot with butter and homemade molasses. I only got them in the evening when coming home from school. So until I was married, I always ate pancakes ice cold. <laughs> Sometimes after supper... Um, we would finish washing dishes and put everything away. We would talk mother into allowing us to make molasses candy, parched peanuts, or popcorn. Dad could not eat the peanuts with no teeth, and he would get mother's flat iron, a little white cloth, and shell his peanuts and hammer the nuts into a powder to eat. 
Granddad would eat our molasses candy and brittle only to find his false plates sticking together. We kids would really get a kick out of seeing him try to unstick his teeth. <laughs> Bill, John, Jeanette, and I would go now and again possum hunting. We would fill our pockets with peanuts, apples, anything we could find, and go out. Bill Benfield took us once behind his daddy's. We had a great time. Next, we had picked cotton in front of Coit's, where Walmart now stands. And, of course, John and I would sit on our cotton picking sacks, and dinner time came, and it was time to go to lunch. Dad yelled out at John and me and said that whenever we finished our rows, we could come up to dinner. But we just sat right on, looking at every bird, cloud, buzzard, bug, anything to waste time. We saw an airplane come over, and it was Red Story flying his cab. He saw us sitting there, and he climbed up, on, he climbed up over our heads and come down in a tailspin right at us. Man, I jumped up, left my cotton sack, picking sack, and ran like a turkey home. I was so excited I could... Hardly tell my family what had happened. Anytime we picked cotton, I would always ask for a chew of tobacco, only to be told, okay, when you get to the other end, I'll give you a chew. I never got it, for they knew it was for me to get sick and go home. <laughs> so that's the end of our story time today. I hope you got a few giggles like I did today. And I do appreciate um, you coming I do appreciate you coming to today's story time. And thank you to Kale for his efforts for their nutrition story. And we hope to see you again next time. Thank you for watching Karen Corner. Make sure you head over to our Facebook and YouTube channel where you will find this program along with others. Be sure that you subscribe, like, and click the notification bell so that you will receive notifications for our weekly program. Don't forget to share this program to your social media platforms. If there's a question that you would like to ask, make sure to email it to caringcorner22 at gmail.com. We hope to see you on the next episode of Caring Corner.